This is the best of Crypto Karma with Nick Green. This episode highlights segments from past shows, including celebrities talking about cryptocurrency. We hope you enjoy the best of Crypto Karma. Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. That's the sound of the money truck backing up to your front door, Hoss. No money's going to put money into a crazy scheme like that. Okay, here comes the catch. This has to cost a lot of money. Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. Bye, bye, bye. Yes, the money is good. We don't have that much time left. Let's talk rocket ships. First, Bitcoin. Three, two, one. This is Crypto Karma with the sensei of cryptocurrency, Nick Green. Welcome to Crypto Karma. This is Nick Green, and I'd like to welcome all my Bitcoiners. I hope everybody out there has diamond hands and is enjoying these market fluctuations because that's what makes crypto moving at the speed of crypto. Remember, you got to strike hard, strike fast, keep those diamond hands. Paris Hilton sure seems to be a big fan of cryptocurrency. Many people may or may not know that back in 2016, she got into the Bitcoin scene uh, right as everything was starting to hit some tops. But I think with her money, it really didn't matter. She's getting a lot of heat from the crypto community because there's just not a lot of respect for a sex tape star. But at the same time, she's also bringing it more mainstream, so much so that she was in the news. She got interviewed on CNBC's Closing Bell, where she talked about her involvement in NFTs, remember, non-fungible tokens. And even more interestingly, she calls herself a Bitcoiner. Here's a little clip of what Paris Hilton had to say. I've always loved to be an innovator, and I did my first NFT in March of 2020. And it won the NFT Charity Award, the best one of the year. So that was exciting. And now to see it just blow up in the past couple of months has been so exciting. And I've been working together with some incredible artists and um, doing my first drop in a few weeks. And then another one planned after that. And I just think it's amazing that artists can really, you know, take back their power. And um, just, I don't know, there's the technology that is just so interesting. And I'm just fascinated by all of it. You said you have your first drop coming in a, in a few weeks. Is, can you tell us what it is? Is it a drawing, a photo? How are you thinking about it? Uh, my first drop is about art. Um, I can't really say it much yet because it's a surprise. But um, the first one will be about art, and the second one will be about music and memorabilia. So it's amazing. I think really the possibilities are endless with this. So the interesting thing here is that Paris Hilton calls herself an artist. So think about that, whether she is or not subjective, just like the price of an NFT. But for somebody with a whole lot of fans, a Kardashian, anybody in that circle, or YouTuber or TikToker could just create something on an NFT, call it art, and make millions of dollars. You still need people to pay millions of dollars, but when it starts that high, it's definitely a driving force pushing into the NFT space even more. So now that you've created an NFT, well, what are you gonna do with it? Well, you need a place to sell it. And guess who came up with something for that? Tom Brady. Now Tom Brady, you either love him or hate him. The fact is he's a hell of a football player. He's a smart guy. I'd call him a marketing guru because he sure knows how to brand himself and align himself up with the right sponsors to have more money than all of us put together. And good for him. I think that's great. But now you got a question, does he really need the money to do more things? 
is this just another celebrity jumping on the bandwagon or somebody with money and resources that is bringing NFT to the public? So here's what seven-time Super Bowl champion is launching an NFT called Autograph. It comes out just in the coming months. 2021, I guarantee you, is going to be known as the year of the NFT in cryptocurrency. Look to the past, guys. Not everything lasts forever, but this is something pretty big. He wants to bring together the biggest names in sports, entertainment, fashion, pop culture. So that's your YouTubers and Paris Hilton's of the world to develop unique digital collectibles. And remember, everybody has just one of those. These are really unique. They are easy to figure out. They cannot be counterfeit. And the value of what you paid for it will hold, and this should never be damaged. It's interesting to see all these celebrities really push forth on cryptocurrency. It does something very important to them. It gives millionaires more money. So they're able to make a ton of money with NFTs and a ton of money in the crypto space. And I think the fact that these are decentralized platforms and nobody is paying them to be a sponsor in most cases, well, they are just happy to help this emerging market go mainstream. It's an interesting dynamic to see that they have found something they could all agree on, make money from, and even the common person with not a lot of money, but with a lot of patience, foresight, vision, and doing your own research could also make millions of dollars. I think that's why Dogecoin or any cryptocurrency is called the currency of the people, money for the people. Call it what you want, but it is accessible to everybody. And the NFTs just might be that next step of accessibility or even make that next famous artist. Maybe get that kid that's doing art from home, the struggling artist. It could give them a global platform. It could help them showcase their artwork to celebrities, to millionaires, to cryptocurrency holders all around the world. Because remember, cryptocurrency is a 24-7 deal. It has no borders. It reaches every country and it reaches everybody who has a cell phone or computer. So this actually might be a movement that creates a lot of real artists and real art. And from it, a whole new digital landscape that we never thought we would see before. So perhaps the world of NFTs may not be such a big bubble after all, but actually go down a whole new rabbit hole. We're right back where we started. And from rabbit holes will be more rabbit holes with more products that will stem from NFTs because that's what cryptocurrency does. Blockchains really, really do something special is that they let you create your own smart contracts and they let you use almost any product you want on it and create its own destiny. By that, I mean, it's not up to one person. It's up to the people. It's up to the consensus. And that's something that I love about Bitcoin. It was created to give freedom back to the people, not the central banks that have been in charge of our debt and our lives and interest rates and how much we owe and what we could afford for so long. In fact, getting into cryptocurrency and Bitcoin has taken many people with not even a dollar in their savings account and has literally given them values in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's really important. It drives the economy. It allows people to create their own business, to be their own boss. More importantly, to have independence from the rules of a central bank. Those are my two Satoshis, because to me, it just makes sense. Come on, big money, big money, big money. No whammy, no whammy, stop. And on this week's Crypto Karmas, Fact or Fiction, we have the whole section dedicated to, well, fiction. That's going to be Real Time with Bill Maher. He recently talked about Bitcoin, cybersecurity, and cryptocurrency with Chris Krebs. Well, why does it matter? And who is Chris Krebs? Christopher Cox Krebs, born in 1977, is an American attorney who served as director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency in the United States Department of Homeland Security from November 2018 to November 
November of 2020. I'm not sure if that gives him credibility or not, but let's hear what he has to say with his interpretation of cybersecurity and cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is the, as I see it, one of the single enabling factors that has allowed cyber criminals to deploy a massive amount of ransomware across our state and local agencies. It, it is the anonymous payments, the ability to pay uh. anonymously. And, and I think that is the cyber threat that the average American is most concerned about because sure. they feel it at home. All this other stuff about Russia and China, right. it, that's ephemeral. Yes, you're talking about schools. I think something like 1,600 schools yep. were hit last year. And hospitals and government agencies. Right. I mean, we had Baltimore got hit twice, Atlanta, Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, 23 counties in Texas. Uh, Louisiana has been hit a couple times. It's just, it's, it's and, this, and they just want money. This is not anything, anything sophisticated. This is not ideological. It's like at the end of Die Hard when he finds out, no, they're not terrorists. They if there's a vulnerability, yeah, right, right. It's, it's a little bit like that. Okay. Yeah, Noxony Tower, right? Uh, if there's if there's a vulnerability, if there's an exploit, if there is money or information to be had, and there are no meaningful consequences, the bad guys are going to run wild. So we've got to change that equation. And I think looking at at cryptocurrencies and the, and the exchange wallets. We need to look at that. We need to start holding some of these countries like Russia that allow these cyber criminals to operate in their sovereign territory with impunity. You know, we need to focus on that. Uh, but, but bringing it back home, we've got to help state local uh, you know, improve their defenses. And, and I, I fear it's only going to get worse uh, because the, the way that tax revenues at the state and local level have, have taken a real hit because of COVID. And I think, I think when we talk about infrastructure and investments, I think we've got to have a 21st century digital infrastructure investment. Yeah. Well, that was pretty interesting to say the least. And I think before we tackle these pretty outrageous statements, let's start with who is Chris Krebs. He was the head of cybersecurity and everything else that I mentioned in that long title during the Trump administration. His agency, known by its acronym CISA, helps secure computer systems anywhere that a security breach could be catastrophic. Here's what he said. He said that one of the most single enabling factors that criminals use to allow ransomware infiltrate a computer system such as a school or a hospital is cryptocurrency, which is interesting because cryptocurrency doesn't do anything to get you into anybody else's system. The way that these hacks or breaches of security actually worked, well, is because of human error. That's correct. Nobody screwed this up other than the people on the receiving end. The criminals do what they do. Bitcoin does what it does. And all that they wanted was to be paid in cryptocurrency. So I really wouldn't say that cryptocurrency is the cause of any of this. But here's what's funny. The ransomware that they talk about has about four or five different lines of defense. Here's a couple ways that you could defend yourself against ransomware and save your company from anything embarrassing. You just have to educate the end users not to open emails or attachments from an unknown sender, an unknown source, an email that you do not recognize. Do not click on it. Do not download the software from torrent sites. And when you're at work, you do not have to have your browsing activities all over the internet. All you need to do is stick to approved websites that are safe on your computer. Keep your operating systems regularly patched and updated. 
deploy next generation firewalls and email security tools to block phishing attacks. They exist. You could get them at Best Buy. You could buy them online. Almost anywhere to protect your system from these silly little malware attacks. Install and enable signature-based antivirus or next generation AV software. It's really that easy as not clicking on an email. The whole approach of blaming cryptocurrencies for this windfall is really a big stretch. I think the blame falls on the end user and probably Chris Krebs' department for not educating these so-called schools and hospitals that apparently got breached with the right software, maybe a firewall, maybe an antivirus program they could have provided for free to protect their systems, and to train people not to click or download stuff from people you don't know. It's that easy. So where does cryptocurrency play a role, you ask? The guys who most likely lived in Russia, India, China, the places where there are the most amount of cyber attacks, they got into the system and their ransomware says, if you do not want to have your system damaged, if you don't want these pictures exposed, et cetera, et cetera, then send X amount of cryptocurrency to this wallet or address. So as I've mentioned before, Bitcoin and most cryptocurrencies are not anonymous. You could trace them to the wallets. You could see the whole history and life of that Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. So when they get to that end user, that person in Russia or China or Nigeria that has installed the ransomware and is just trying to make some money to feed his family, maybe not the most kosher way, but nonetheless, your job is not to send it to them. And all they're asking for is cryptocurrency because like Elon Musk, they know it's going to be worth a whole lot more in the future too. Well, why cryptocurrency, you ask? Well, because not that it's not traceable, but because it will arrive instantly. If they're holding something ransom, you want out now, you want to feel safe and make sure that you're not being hacked. And they just want to make sure they're not getting, well, screwed over by you, which is kind of an interesting calling drum to be in. And these ransomware guys, the hackers want to make sure that you're not going to screw them either. It's a very strange predicament to be in. But at the end of the day, even sending cryptocurrency, you won't get it back, but you could literally trace and identify the wallet that you sent it to. At the very least, if not the person's name being attached to it, and it's an anonymous wallet, you'll know the country, you'll know the city, and the right type of cybersecurity company could probably zero in on the location of where that wallet is located. So it's not completely anonymous. Now, in all fairness, there are a couple of cryptocurrencies that are anonymous. They are Dash, Monero, Zcash, and Verge. There's maybe two or three more, but these guys have proven to actually be anonymous. And what they do is encrypt the trail that was left by the cryptocurrency to hide the identity of the wallet that sent it. So you could actually transact with a couple of cryptocurrencies that will automatically cover your tracks. They're coded that way. There's only a few of them. They're not all easily publicly traded. They were created for mischief on the internet, but they still do not do as much damage as the US dollar. It's still safe to say that 90% of crimes going on from drug sales and human trafficking, they are being funded by the almighty dollar. No matter what anybody tells you, you just can't believe everything your government or employees of the government have to say. Just like Chris Krebs, he likes to make it sound scary. Bill Maher said it's the end of the world, or impending doom, something ridiculous. My experience with celebrities and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is I would not be surprised to know that Bill Maher has some. He probably stashes a little bit, just like Peter Schiff, but likes to play the bad guy because it gets attention. And we all know that narcissistic personalities love attention, whether it's good or bad. Just like the old adage, all news is good news. That sure has changed today. I wouldn't hang my hat on that slogan anymore, but the fact is these guys like attention and anybody with a lot of money and intelligence, they own some Bitcoin. 
And if they didn't, they're going to be buying some now, including Bill Maher. And here on Crypto Karma, what would it be without some celebrity words? Let's hear a very uneducated viewpoint from our friend Bill Maher on cryptocurrency. There is a mania rising in the country these days about cryptocurrency and how the train is leaving the station, so you better get on. Tesla has jumped in with both feet, and Microsoft accepts it for software now. Etsy accepts it now, and so does PayPal and Starbucks and Whole Foods and Home Depot. One in 10 Americans use their stimulus checks to invest in one of thousands of cryptocurrencies in existence, Bitcoin being the most famous, but there's also Ethereum, Binance, Tether, even one called Cumrocket. <laughs> there's also one called Dogecoin that someone started as a joke, but... As far as I can tell, it's exactly the same as all the other cryptocurrencies because the whole thing is a joke. So here's what's funny. Bill Maher is a comedian and everybody needs to realize that. Now, why do I like to use him as an example? Well, he's outspoken. He is funny. And at the end of the day, he either doesn't know a damn thing he's talking about and he really is the stupid or he's really pretty smart and he's just simply playing the heel in all of this. Remember, most people, and by most, I mean people who understand economics, who have vision, who understand money, who've been around the block, who know how to do research. I'm talking about a lot of people here. They support Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, even CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and world leaders. We're not talking about your run-of-the-mill Joe who thinks he's going to get rich off of magical internet money. But there's a reason that Microsoft and Apple and Venmo and PayPal all accept Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. They understand the store of value, the proof of stake, the proof of work, and the intrinsic value, and the way of the digital future. There's a lot more to a cryptocurrency than simply blockchain. Apple stock is worth money because Apple makes thousand dollar phones that everyone buys and then drops in the toilet. <laughs> but Dogecoin recently rallied to be worth more than the market cap of Ford and Kraft Foods and it has no product and no workers. It's just Easter Bunny cartoon cash. And let's talk real quick about his comments about Apple and Ford and all these other companies with a smaller market cap than Dogecoin. Well, first off, I think I says a lot about the people's view and perception that they're not buying stocks in Ford or Apple. They're buying stocks in a meme coin. They're investing in Dogecoin. So I would say the people's sentiment and faith in our economic system, in fact, any country's economic system around the world, is running out of negative. People know it's nonsense. It's complete BS. Our money is printed out of thin air, and there's literally nothing that supports it or backs it. So they do believe, on the other hand, of peer-to-peer -peer transactions. They do believe in code, and they believe in the blockchain. Now, Apple does not make $1,000 per phone. Sure, they use slave labor to make it, and there's extremely high margins on the products that they sell us or force us to buy every time they so-called upgrade our phone, only to turn around and cause a glitch, forcing us to upgrade to the new Apple 125 Max that we don't need. That's not their moneymaker. The moneymaker isn't selling our data. It's in having access to how we spend our money, use our money, and keeping track of us. PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, Twitter, Cash App, all these guys work together. They all work together, and the end of the day, it's the data that makes them money. So, Making a statement that they supply something to us is really controversial at the same time. In fact, even bringing in Ford, it's controversial to say they make good cars and trucks. 
dozen people say they do, a dozen people will say they don't. But what we do know for sure is that Bitcoin goes up in value, cannot be counterfeited. And as a currency, cryptocurrencies have shown that they could do more than what any other country has been able to do in the last 100 years. So the funny thing is, and by funny I mean ironic, is that there's a lot of billion dollar companies out there that actually offer goods and services they have a blockchain that utilizes the cryptocurrency token in order to better mankind or the companies that they work with. There's plenty of examples. Wabi, Ripple, VeChain. Um, in fact, I'd like to talk about VeChain real quick because this is something I think many people could identify with. First off, I want to point out that VeChain has been hired by Nike, Louis Vuitton, Lamborghini, dozens and dozens of other companies to help prevent counterfeit. This is, this is what VeChain is, okay, right from their website. For manufacturers of high-value retail products and goods, VeChain uses the blockchain and SmartTag, which is basically a QR code to implement the traceability of a retailer's product's entire lifecycle management. And consumers can check and verify a product's information via the VeChain Pro Mobile app. The retail solution can also contribute to effective channel management, after-sales service, and convenient financial services such as insurance for high-value goods. And by high-value goods, they mean Louis Vuitton. They mean Nike. They mean Juliette Perret. They mean Moet. We are going to go ahead and just use Louis Vuitton as an example because who else has a ten dollars or $20,000 purse that your wife wants to buy the second she finds out you bought Chainlink last year? So this Louis Vuitton purse, the last thing you want is for it to be a fake one. So what they essentially do is they're able to engrade a chip like uh, an RFID chip or a QR code or even a scannable code, but the chip is probably the most popular in, sewn into the fabric of these products. When they come from Italy, after they have been made and they go through customs and they go through cargoes, there's a lot of opportunities for the supply chain to be tampered with. So sometimes the end result is not an authentic Louis Vuitton bag. That's a big disappointment. It costs the company millions of dollars and leaves a lot of pissed off wives out there. But what the advantages of this is that you can literally verify the validity of your $20,000 purse. This is very important when it comes to medical devices. Think about that. Do you want a counterfeit valve for a heart transplant just because somebody was trying to save some money in China or Taiwan along the way of the supply chain? And it's not to be discriminatory, but that's where most medical devices are made. So the blockchain actually saves lives by guaranteeing the authenticity of a product and taking away the chances of something being counterfeit. So back to these industry problems and pain points that cryptocurrency and blockchain solve. It's very difficult to achieve traceability and anti-counterfeiting because products today could be easily counterfeited. By taking advantage of this method, they're able to prevent that and actually guarantee it. It's hard for brands also to manage production quality since production is done by third-party suppliers in most cases. They might even have to sustain losses caused by overproduction or lack of authenticity. Refunds, returns, and exchanges are also a big risk because if you're not able to identify the validity and authenticity of that product, be it a Louis Vuitton handbag, well, then you can't really insure it. You can't return it. You can't exchange it. So these channel management issues is what's being solved by the blockchain. And this is what VeChain does. They've been around for years. They're a billion dollar company. They're in fact a profitable blockchain company using cryptocurrency to trace their products. You could purchase VeChain. You're not going to use it to buy something such as a car or a house the way you can with Litecoin or Dogecoin or Ethereum. But it does allow you to invest in the system and in the company itself. 
When a product is sold, there's no effective way to keep track of its usage and maintenance. So your limited options for financial service providers, such as when they provide a mortgage or insurance services for high-value goods. Again, this is where blockchain comes in and VeChain and the VeChain ID. VeChain is one of many different companies that have already adopted this type of technology. People don't know that there is a company called Wabi, W-A-B-I out of China. Many years ago, there was counterfeit baby formula that was going around China and literally killing babies. It was watered down. Some of it was diluted with other materials and it lacked the vitamins and nutrients that babies needed to survive. Some of them got so much water that they got basically liquid poisoning and vitamin neglect. They were malnutrition. So in order to combat this problem of counterfeit baby formula, this company, Wabi, today known as TAIL, T-A-E-L, they invented a tracking system through an ID chip that is attached to a sealed bottle of baby formula. This baby formula goes directly from the manufacturer to the retail store. The retail store could then scan the code or the chip and could trace the exact exact movements of that bottle along the supply chain. And at the same time, they could authenticate how real and legitimate it is. Ever since this, the Wabi instilled their program years ago, baby deaths from tainted formula dropped over a thousand percent. So this is a great example of where blockchain saves lives and the cryptocurrency used on that blockchain validates the transactions to save lives. Is that a good company to invest in? Well, I think so. It has a very social conscious behavior. I'm invested in VeChain and Wabi myself, some for short-term profits and some for the long-term. But the biggest strength about it is that both companies are profitable. One of them's out of China. And these guys go to prove exactly the value that blockchain and cryptocurrency has. Crypto Karma point of view. Remember, there's two sides to every story and you only get back what you put in. Well, what I mean is you really have to understand that people change their mind. It is that simple. Susie Orman was probably not the biggest advocate for cryptocurrencies and many, many investors from Warren Buffett to Mark Cuban. A lot of them have changed their tune and some have not. One, though, I do have a lot of respect for is Susie Orman, especially with her latest quote. I love Bitcoin. On my Women in Money podcast, I think it was two or three weeks ago, I did an entire, I think I did two things on Bitcoin as to why I like it. I like the university, universality of it. I like that, that it's just there and the corporations that are investing in it. I do not like Bitcoin, Andy, as a currency. Mm -hmm. I don't like it where you're going to buy a Tesla or you're going to buy something with it. I like it as a possible replacement for gold as an investment. Now, what I tell my listeners and what I would tell everybody, Bitcoin is seriously risky. I would not be investing in Bitcoin with money that I could not afford to lose because the swings are not just going to be a point or two a day. They're going to be $5,000 worth one day. It's going to be up 7%, down 10%. It's going to be all over the place. But I think it's something that would hurt people to pull maybe if they had it to lose a hundred dollars a month in, and I personally would do it through PayPal because PayPal makes it so easy and it's not that big of a hit given in terms of commission. It's like one and a half percent, two percent, depending on how much you're investing every month. I don't think that's that big of a hit, right? To, to really just see what happens over the years. 
but I happen to like Bitcoin and I like the premise behind it a lot. Bitcoin is a legitimate investment and you should absolutely be buying it. Well, I love that. She doesn't like Bitcoin as a currency. She said when she tried to liquidate it and get money into her bank account, it didn't happen. There were problems. Well, I know what those problems were, and it's called user error. It's not that hard, but not many people take the time to actually learn how to operate an exchange or their wallet or digital wallet or Coinbase or any of these things. Even though you have a ton of money on it, but it's something new. And the truth is, people do not like to learn new things. We're all programmed to think you learned everything you need to know in college. One of my favorite books was Everything You Need to Know You Learned in Kindergarten. So it goes back to common sense. You're going to do something new. You have to learn how to use it. The great thing, though, about what she said is that Bitcoin is not an intended currency, and that's true. It's a store of value. She got frustrated with gold, just like Jim Cramer and many other investors, because they realized that gold is not what it's cracked up to be. Gold has a lot of limitations behind it. It's better off as an electrical semiconductor than it is as an investment or store of value. That's my opinion on it, because you sure are not going to walk around with pounds of gold to go to the store and buy something. But you can walk around with millions of dollars of Bitcoin right on your phone and use it to buy anything. That's it for Crypto Karma this week, brought to you by JWH Finance, the leader in residential mortgage lending. You could go to jwhfinance.com to learn more about us as the best residential mortgage lender in the country. The reason I say that is, of course, I'm very proud to be a part of it. And you can reach me directly through there, nick at jwhfinance.com. But not only that, we're one of the only mortgage lenders with five-star reviews. We're a direct lender, which means we're not a broker, and we actually control the direction and the pace of your loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac standards. We get your loan done quickly and efficiently. Our average refinance closes in two and a half weeks and our average purchase in just 20 to 25 business days. The other thing we get to do is not charge any lender fees. Of course, there's points should you want to buy the rate down below market, which is very common these days for those rates under 3%, but there's also no junk fees, no admin, no processing, no credit report. That's not how we treat customers. We like things to be very simple, very clean, extremely affordable because we're all about making you happy. Again, that's jwhfinance.com, your best direct mortgage lender. And this is Nick Green with Crypto Karma reminding you that this show is for educational purposes only. This is not investment or financial advice. Explore the cryptocurrency universe with Nick Green on Crypto Karma. Learn about Bitcoin and blockchain, Ethereum, Dogecoin, and more. Buy and sell and trade and learn how to make some serious money with digital currency. And hear the podcast on Podbean.